Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Workplace Revolution and I'm your host Sihle Bolani. One of the things that I really enjoy about the work that I do is that I get to engage with people who are in such incredibly interesting fields of work and it is even more amazing to me when those people happen to be black women. And today I'm joined by Lungile Mashele, who is a black woman in energy. She is an energy specialist at the Development Bank of Southern Africa. Lungile, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Sile. Hello to you as well as your listeners. So tell me, how did you end up in energy? Because I mean, growing up, um, and I think we're probably around about in the same age group. Yes. <laughs> energy wasn't really a, a field of work that was necessarily popular, um, particularly amongst young black girls. So how did you find your way into the space? So it was by pure chance, actually. Um, when I started working, was the very first year we experienced load shedding in South, South Africa. And I found mm-hmm. myself, my very first job, and I was stuck in the lift. Lights went off. We didn't know what was happening. And as the months unfolded and I started learning more, I was like, no, I'd like to be part of a solution here. And I'd like to mm-hmm. find a way that we don't have to load shed ever again. Well, that was Mm. 11 years ago. And yeah, it's been an interesting ride ever since. And so how, I mean, what does it take to get into a a, a career in energy? You know, um, because it's one thing to to think, okay, I want to be part of the solution. But where did you actually begin? How do we trace your steps? So in essence, um, my undergrad was in economics, and then I went on to do insolvency law. And it was in the midst of this, I'm like, wait a minute, there's just a, there's a qualification that has recently opened up, it was with the University of Johannesburg, and they were the pioneers in um, energy studies. And so I joined them for their honors program. And thereafter, I did my master's with them as well. And all Mm -hmm. the while, literally, we were one of the first groups actually going to school. And this is why I still lecture the honors program, energy economics class at the University Mm -hmm. of Johannesburg. But in terms of work itself, it has been absolutely incredible. I mean, I started off in commercial banking. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, being a young economist, that is where I wanted to find myself trading desk, equities analyst. And that opportunity never availed itself. Um, mm-hmm. And so I moved out of that space and I moved into consulting because I'm like, OK, here I can do everything. I'm unstoppable now. And truly mm-hmm. con- consulting was exactly that um, catalyst that I needed to actually enter into the energy space. I was very soon placed with um, energy companies, with ESCOM, with IPPs, working with them, developing projects, you know, up until I eventually moved to ESCOM itself, where I was Mm. in project development there. had a wonderful time up until I then moved to the development bank, and it has been six of the most incredible years of my life. Oh, that's amazing. And then in terms of um, your experiences as a black woman in the space, I mean, there's a lot of conversations that are happening now about the black experience within the workplace. Um, and then if you kind of intersect that even further um, and bring in the element of being a black woman in particular spaces, there's very particular experiences that are common amongst us. Yes. So 
what are some of the experiences that you've had? I mean, energy is, you know, historically a very man-dominated space. Yes. Um, And, you know, there aren't many visible, at least, women, Black women that we see within the energy space. What has your journey been like in that context? Sure. Okay. So the journey really has been a tumultuous one and it really doesn't stop. Um, Mm. From corporate, I've had people challenging me, challenging my authority. Um, Mm. You know, you you will get that you have all the education to back it up. And I mean, I lecture also, I've got everything, um, you know, paper wise, but you still get a person with some random opinion. And his random opinion of his personal experience should then um, counter everything that has been said. You'll end up fighting with people about things that you think are just common sense. Um, mm. But you need to understand where people's views are you know, coming from and where their fears are coming from as well. Um, I think one of the most challenging things that I've seen in the space is the fact that Black woman and uh, you know i don't don't know if it's us doing doing this to ourselves also but we're constantly pushing ahead in terms of academia because we want the the academics to match what we're saying Mm. and at the same time our male counterparts on the other hand are doing nothing of the sort for them it's i'm in this space and i'm here and i and you know i can speak and i can say anything i want to say um and i'm fortunate in that over the last couple of months i've started seeing changes especially in the space um there's also been especially in the energy sector where people will prefer to hear a certain type of voice and mm. a voice that will perhaps be contrary to ESCOM or contrary to government, contrary to you know, IPPs, uh, a voice that um, they, they want to assume is main, mainstream. And they forget that South Africa is made up of a vast population of people who have basic and you know energy access for most Mm. people their their energy use is not for microwaves and for dishwashers and for swimming pools and some of the solutions that have been put forward are are for those particular reasons so you're constantly finding yourself having to balance um what people in the media say versus what people on the ground actually need. Then, mm. you know, like in terms of just being on site, because I travel quite a bit, my job takes, takes me all over the world and I work through, throughout the continent. Basic things like in 2020, you don't get um, female toilet on site. Oh, wow. No, you don't. Um, and we basically then now have to start sharing toilets. And you can imagine it's a male-dominated, very masculine environment. So you'll find mm-hmm. that maybe there's like one or two women on, on site. And they haven't really mm-hmm. thought about how to cater for us. I mean, I fight all the time with health and safety teams when they want to put, put me in um, a safety jacket, a reflector vest. And I'm like, mm. guys, are you aware that my breasts are like 44 double Ds? And it's never going to zip up all the way. Yeah. So it's going to have to deal with that. Or else you need to get things that are fit for purpose. There's things, you know, mm. around um, 
um, helmets even, where you're just like, this is African hair. It's not going to fit. It's, yeah. it's not going to fit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you end up wearing like this, this helmet over and above what you should be doing. It doesn't really fit. It's constantly falling off when you're on site. So there's so many little things. And, and, I, and I think, you know, one of the worst things that, you know, I can p- perhaps mention is we'll be driving for six, seven hours and there'll be mm-hmm. no um, pollution facilities on the road. Mm. I'll be with 20 men and I'll be the only person, though the only woman. And they will, without even skipping a beat, they will stop at the, on the side, or side of the road. They'll just yeah. start urinating. They'll, yeah, they'll just whip it out. <laughs> That's it. They'll just whip it out and they start urinating me on the other hand i have to then watch what i drink because i know that there's no toilet along the way Uh, so you spend hours not drinking water and when you eventually do now need to go to the loo you now need to walk 500 meters away from where they are and then perhaps ask the most feminine men um, uh, men amongst them to actually keep lookout for you hoping that nothing you know even happens um so you need to go mm-hmm. behind a tree or behind a bush and tell a person so that you don't go and ask somebody the who's the least threatening to you precisely and and it's those little decisions that one has to navigate um you know like when you're on site and the day-to-day activities and you're just like in 2020 this is a bit ridiculous yeah it is actually, and it's actually quite scary because, I mean, we obviously have a lot of conversations around, you know, violent behaviors towards women in the workplace. And, you know, these range from sexual harassment to yeah. these kind of these microaggressions where you just are, your needs are not even considered, like you're not even a thought, yep. you know, in, in, in the process at all. And so it makes me wonder, and especially within the context of the space that you're in, being in male-dominated spaces, being surrounded by men all the time, do you feel or do you sense that there is a pressure on the women who are on these sites to assimilate to their environments? Oh, there definitely is. Um, you know, even in terms of how one has, one speaks, one reasons, um, you will typically find will be away for weeks on end and... Mm-hmm. Um, in the evenings will come come back and a person will then decide to go and uh, meet with the lady at the bar, you know, in the evenings. And the next day, then you get to hear these explicit details. Now, at what part, oh. you, know, you know, at what point do you say, do you say that is rude, that is discriminatory, and I don't agree with what you've done? And at what point mm-hmm. do you let it slide because you still have another 12 days with this person on site and Mm. being the only woman and being the only black woman at the best of times, you then will be isolated. And unfortunately Mm. you are either leading this team or you are relying on them for inputs for your work as well. And people can make things incredibly difficult, Mm. especially when there are physical limitations that you might have or, um, you know, various other issues. And so you constantly have to be on good terms with people. And at what point do you you raise an issue and start a fight? And at what point do you put on your earphones in the car and just mind your own? Now, you raise a very interesting point for me because this is, you know, 
a debate that has been going on for a while um, in the context of the workplace. Um, you know, we speak about black executives mm-hmm. and how they kind of, you know, are they, they, they progress up the corporate ladder. Um, and, you know, the, the the sense is that they get up there and they kind of don't send the letter back down for everybody else. Yeah, yes. And then the debate is around, you know, is it them just picking their battles or is it them just trying to protect either themselves or are they protecting their ability to do their jobs? Yeah. So what what do you think are some of the solutions around, around, around that? Because we're... Where do we draw the line? I mean, I know this is something that I get, get challenged with as well, and mm-hmm. especially within my line of work, because here I am advocating for black professionals in the workplace to be able to have justice, to be able to have equity and equality um, and access to opportunities yes. um, and to be recognized for their abilities and their merits and their education and all of that stuff. But at the same time, we are cognizant of the fact that there are people who are going to put up barriers. There will be resistance. And so how do you navigate that push and pull? Hmm. So what I've typically found, um, look, my career for the most part has been Mm. saved by black women time and time again. I cannot Mm. begin to explain how they've come through for me at moments where I was ready to pack my bags and move back home. Um, And it's also in that process and understanding that black women, unfortunately, whether we want to believe it or not, in most corporate spaces, they don't have a voice and Mm -hmm. they don't have the power that we think that they have. So this constant asking them to act up and to send the ladder down and to do, they're also looking at at us, you know, and they're saying, but how and what would you like me to do? Because just by me being being here, I I also feel like, like I'm a token appointment. Mm. And I'm powerless to do many things. And even just to be heard in a board meeting or in an exco meeting is extremely difficult. Now, imagine mm. me then having, having to then bring up 10, 20 other names that I'd like to be invited to this table. However, mm. I, I, let me say I've been priv- privileged enough that in the spaces where I've been, I have had black women who are agitators. And mm. some of them have paid hefty fines for that agitation and they've also encouraged me you know to also agitate and be angry and of course you know people will label you all kinds of things the angry black woman oh my gosh she's so angry she's forever shouting she's forever screaming you know she's never happy oh why don't you ever smile you know and it's impossible or, or, or rather it's very difficult to do that when each and every single day you are reminded in corporate that you are black you are a woman mm-hmm. and that you are alone. Mm. And so, and, and especially in an environment where you, you, you are constantly having to prove that this young girl from Esoweto knows more about energy than you do. Mm. And people all of a sudden, you know, want to pull up rank. Like, oh, but I worked there and I did did this and you have to strike that balance also of of saying there's a difference between long service and experience Mm. 
Mm. And people get very, very angry when I mention that because people will tell you, but I've been working in, in the utility space for 30, 40 years. And I'm like, that is nice, but you only know that one utility. I've been exposed to 15 utilities in the last 10 mm-hmm. years alone. Um, you know, so and, and of course, most of the people that I work work with, you know, happen to be older as well. So there's that constant push pull. Um, and I, to, to be honest with you, I actually have not found an answer on some mm-hmm. some days. It is amicable on other days. It's a full of war. Yeah. I mean, I've recently um, had an experience where you know, there was that that clash that I had to deal with um, in one environment. And, you know, one of the challenges that I that I have is having to deal with people who will raise issues. Right. Mm -hmm. For instance, they will they will say, um, I have an issue with these four things that you did or that you said. Um, And then you will respond to those four things with facts with receipts um and then it'll be oh now you're just nitpicking (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i mean i'm responding to you yes yes exactly (laughs) no or people will then be like well i was just trying to have a conversation and you're just being so aggressive you're being angry you are being and i'm just like when are we going to get to the point where we stop trying to shame black woman into silence because we want to continue abusing them and suppressing them oh. and keeping them quiet goodness Sisle, that that is one of you know the things that bug me the most because you find that you are presenting facts and you're saying this is the case and someone comes and then says oh but my gosh like you, you're just a typical black woman like you're so angry and you guys need to get over yourselves and um Perhaps this is why, you know, the natural order had it that you have to be at home and have kids and be married, you know, and I'm looking at, at this and people's and, and, I've, and I've battled this in the office so many times because you find that in environments that we work in, especially with your guys that are on site traveling um, in these high powered, you know, engineering jobs, most mm. of the time they are married and their wives are housewives. Mm. And that's absolutely perfect. Um, however, they then start viewing you in those terms as well. And they're like, but right. why can't you be at home? Don't you get tired of being on site? Um, why, why, why are you always fighting? You know, because for them, they come home to their wives once in six or eight, eight weeks. And for that two weeks that they're home, it's absolutely amazing. There's uh, champagne flowing, there's candlelight, there's, you know, and so, and so even when they come back to site, they come back to site with care packages and with little chocolates and bottles of wine and biltong and they're loved and cared for. And when they see you in your normal role, and then they want to say, but why are you like this? You know, why can't you be like my mm-hmm. wife? She's so cute. She's so sweet. And she smiles. And I'm like, I can't smile. We've got deliverables. Mm-hmm. And we're not meeting them. Or there's a risk on site that, you know, we, we might not get to where we need to get to. Or people might die here. And we need to make decisions. And someone's like, no, just relax. And, and that's just, you know, another thing that you can come with your best facts and your best everything. And then someone says, oh, just, just relax. You're nagging like, like my wife. And you're just like, yeah, no, you are testing me. Yeah? 
you're testing me proper. Um, but those are some of the environments that we find ourselves mm-hmm. in where, and, and it's, it especially gets, gets worse when I'm dealing with um, men who don't want facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who will go out of their way to say, no, you provide the evidence. And I'm like, no, but I've said what I had to say mm. and I've got facts to back it up. You're refuting what I, what I have to say, which is fine, but then provide evidence. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, they've got no evidence, they've got nothing, but they're just angry and I'm the crazy one. And the burden is always so, put no, on us like, for everything. <laughs> Well, exactly. Like you must be researcher. You must be the fact sayer. You, you look. Look, we are sooth- soothsayers. We are everything. Mm. And I'm just like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not here to, to be your fantasy GI Jane. Anything mm. of the sort. I am looking on site, and I've got my own baggage, and I've got my own issues. But we've come here for a common purpose, which is this project. Let us execute mm. and go back to our homes safely. That's it. Absolutely. It's so frustrating to me um, to, you know, be exposed to work environments where people will claim to want you on board because you are a specialist in your field and, you know, they really want to make a change and they believe that you'll be able to help them do that. And then they crucify you for being focused on the outputs because they actually still want to continue to perpetuate all of these toxic cycles and discrimination and prejudices within the workplace. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like women are viewed as these tools that you can go to to assassinate people or to end careers or, you know, to start fights or whatever the case may be. No one says, oh, my gosh, let, 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 let me go there because there's a wealth of information and I might benefit and, you know, it might be useful. Um, it's almost like we are used to incite things. And when you don't play into that um, category, mm. people get very, very angry. Um, in my 20s, trust me, I was extremely angry because I wanted to go into spaces that I was not allowed into or I was blocked from, you know, actually entering. And um, I was fighting at every turn. Now, mm. with maturity and with you know age and with hindsight, I've now found my way to navigate into those spaces by actually owning them. Same as what you're doing with this platform, where you're mm. basically saying, I'm no longer going to knock or bow down at those doors. I'm going to create a new entity altogether. And you Absolutely. can either join, join us or you can sit there and be isolated on your own. But yeah. um, so over this this thing of being used. I mean, we were used for tenders in the past. We were used for all kinds of things. And now that we have the knowledge, we have the CVs, we have the education, we've got everything, then people still still want to invite you for lunches at uh, Dopio to pick your brain. What the hell are yeah. you thinking? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hate that I so for this education. <laughs> You're not picking anything. I charge per hour and that's that. Exactly. So it's you're paying my fee or you're leaving me the hell alone. Yeah. I, I also, I can't stand that. And I started doing that now. Like I will get messages from people who say, you know, um, oh, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so amazing. Um, 
do you think maybe we could grab a coffee? Um, because I'd really like to get your thoughts on a situation. Um... Yeah, no, <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> I'm happy to have a coffee with you for that hour, but that hour is going to cost you so much. Yes. And then people disappear. Well, that's it. And that's when you see that people love taking advantage. They do. They do. And, you, you, you know, the only people, and I'll be very honest, that I go out of my way to meet with and to engage are other black women. So when a yes. black woman says to me, Longile, can I please meet with you? Um, I'm, I, I have an idea or, you know, a concept. Because I know how difficult it is for us to mm. reach out to anybody, let, let alone each other. So with black women, I'm willing to give you airtime, willing to give you space, willing to give you advice. But in terms of people who, who have a budget, no, I'm sorry. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. So do you have an ethos that you subscribe to that helps you kind of stand firmly and take up space, you know, in the environment that you're in? I don't know if it's an ethos per se, but I think my experiences in the past have shaped how I approach corporate now. Mm. Um, as I said, I'm more calmer now and I am more, um, I wouldn't say that I'm more outspoken because I was in the past, but I'm more measured, but in a good, good way now. Now right. I just spit facts now. I yeah. spit facts and I'm very to the point and it's not emotional and it's not angry and it's not coming from a hurt place anymore. A lot mm -hmm. of my 20s was, was coming from a hurt place. Now mm -hmm. I'm just about, this is Lungele, this is my plan and this is my path. And anything that does not serve me or is working towards creating a, a, a bigger empire or, or an awesome Lungele is not for me at all. So Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've cut off a lot of things, um, things that were not serving me, different committees that I was serving on and boards, um, different entities that I was a part, part, part of. I just literally just said, no, sorry, I can no longer do it. My time is worth X amount and you don't have a budget or, I'm, or even if you do have a budget, I'm not willing to actually participate anymore. And it has freed up a lot of my time, not just physical time, but mental time as well. Because yes. you're surprised how many things you are holding on to that you don't have to hold, hold on to. But because your finger is in so many, you know, different jars doing different things, you are not even able to, to focus on the most, most basic of tasks. Mm. So I've, I've literally yeah. said it doesn't serve me anymore in any way, be it physical, mental, uh, emotional, financial, it's out. No, absolutely. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is how we actually underestimate the emotional and psychological labor that black women have to be subjected to daily, repeatedly, at work, on the, on the roads, at the grocery store, at home. Like, it just never ends. It never ends. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm glad that I'm active on social media. And I actually learned about this concept um, of emotional labor because it's amazing how men at the office will not hesitate coming to tell you that they're going through a tough time, they're going through a, a divorce, and they're not okay. And a part of me is like we have employee wellness programs, one, 
Number mm-hmm. two, we you you have medical aid, you can afford a psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, why am I being burdened with this now? And mm. it's one thing if you if, you know if you're telling me as a friend. Or, or, mm. But but even then, like like I have my limitations as well. But all of a sudden, and I noticed how we were being dragged into various things, you know. And and it's almost always black men. I've got a problem in the office. I've got a problem at home. I've got a problem there. I've got a problem there. The day you have a problem, you can't mm. count on them for anything. No, because you're dropping the ball. Yes, like you can't even go to them and say, <laughs> "Listen." Um, this is what happened and I'm not okay. Can you kindly assist whatnot, whatever else? Because then they'll find a way to turn that around. And if it's not sexualizing it, then it's, you know, making you into some crazy person. And oh, it I, incapacitates you. Yes, exactly. Where all of a sudden um, in a meeting, then you'll hear Lungile will not be able to participate fully because she's not feeling well. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, I told you that just for your FYI. I wasn't telling you that so that you can make me feel like I'm a leper. Exactly. Um, you know, but 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 I've, I've I've also noted that very very clearly that black men are not there when you need them, especially in corporate. You can go, and I've experienced this. You know, in the part like you know, in the past. You'll put up the best defenses. You'll go and you'll fight. You'll 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 have your armor, and a black man mm. will come. And he'll be the one chairing the committee. And mm. he'll be the one, you know, and, and, and they love this this thing. No, you know, devil's advocates. I'm like, the devil oh. doesn't need any, you know, any more help. Like, the devil is okay. Mm. Believe me. Okay. I'm the one that needs all the help. And in all the cases where I found myself with my back up against the wall and being very uncomfortable has been at the, ha- at the hands of men but mm-hmm. instigated by black men. So, you know, maybe it's an anger thing also. Maybe I'm tired of them, but I'm also very wary of what they've done in the past and that mm-hmm. they're completely use- useless to me, at least, in the corporate mm-hmm. environment. Right. And that's a very, that's a very valid, um, you know, a position to have. Yeah. Let's talk a second for about... Um, women empowerment you know this is you know a, a phrase that <laughs> has been in every organization every boardroom you know it's it's this and I still am trying to wrap my head around what it's supposed to mean but within the context of energy I mean there are obviously various organizations that yes. will say that they are focusing on empowering women within the energy sector. Yes. But empowering women for what purpose? To what end? What... Yeah. So I, I battle with those groups, those empowerment groups, women-only groups, um, even in the corporate space where you'll find uh there will be a women's association within a company mm. and my thing is those women never become the ceo or yeah. anything for that matter the the highest echelons that they'll rise to is being the president of that association yeah um because firstly if the greater organization wanted to have women leaders they do exactly that 
Exactly. So you forming an independent association for women is to do what exactly? Why why are we grooming them differently? Um, because also those women's associations have very limited budgets as well. It's mm-hmm. not like they're, they're flying women to you know Harvard, Stanford, NCA. They they do nothing of the sort. It's just for gatherings and for venting sessions. And then every now and again they'll have flowers, chocolates, but none of these women are being brought into the organization at the right areas of of, of exco or of management. And so mm-hmm. I find them to be. Um, an additional layer that is unnecessary in an, in, an, in an organization. And I feel like one should actually be challenging the main structures and saying mm. you will include us whether you like it or not. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, whether we like it or not, we have to have these women organizations, same way that in South Africa with the, what, 80, 85% black population, you still have black, mm. uh, black associations. Yeah. And you're asking yourself, how does this make any sense? Because from those black associations, it's only the CEO who, of that association who gets to become the CEO of another company. Yes. But the other ranking members or non-ranking members don't feature anywhere. Um, mm. you, you know, and, and, and I battle with those concepts and those ideas. Honestly, I do. Um, but I feel like the way that they could work is if they're properly funded, number one, Mm -hmm. and there's a proper plan in terms of what you want to do. So Mm. if you say, as a Black woman association in the energy space, uh, we would like to have Black women represented on all IPP and utility boards, and we would like them to sit in exco positions as well. What are you doing to capacitate them? Are you helping them with their registration to Institute of Directors? Are you assisting them with uh, board courses? Are you assisting them as well with executive education? Because unless you're doing all of those things, then it's useless. Because corporates are doing all of those things for men. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, because if because if we're just saying we're just going to sit around a room and give each other chocolates and flowers and congratulate each other for being the twenty most prominent women in a company with forty thousand others, then then yeah. then, we're, then we then we are a bit silly. I think the 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 thing that stands out most for me is that these programs, for the most part, are doing exactly what they're intended to do, which is mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, it's to trick people into believing that they might somewhere down the line, one day, maybe, possibly, maybe not, but we'll just have you thinking mm-hmm. that possibly there's an opportunity for you to actually, you know, get a seat at the table. It's, and it's, as you're saying, saying, saying that, I am reminded, I think it's Tony Morrison who said the very pur- purpose or function of racism is distraction. Exactly. And any other ism or sexism, as soon as you start separating us, the only thing you are doing is distracting us from what's actually happening. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Because when you think about it, I mean, all of these, I mean, certainly the ones that I've been exposed to or that I've seen, these, you know, women empowerment sessions, it's women, are, like womanhood is treated as some sort of disability. Like, oh, there's something so wrong and weak about you. So we're going to help you figure out how to be more masculine so that, you know, people can take you seriously. 
why do I have to emulate masculinity in order for me to be taken seriously or to be respected? Precisely. You, you know, I, I actually had a revelation, um, I think it was late last year, where um, someone said to me, oh my gosh, like you're, you're the rudest person that I've ever met. You're extremely rude and you exude a very uh, negative masculine energy. And I took that very, very harshly. And I started unpacking what the person was saying. And first of all, this, this person was criticizing my outspokenness and the mm. fact that I'm not backing down and the fact that I was not willing to be convinced by airy-fairy things. Um, mm. And for them, they viewed that as masculine energy. And I started unpacking it. I'm like, but the males that I know in my life, the men I know in my life are not like that at all. It's mm. actually that force that, 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 that you're seeing, that wolf-like instinct, that, that primal instinct that I have, that's actually my feminine energy. Yeah. What, what, what you see as threatening, as dominating, as fighting, as aggressive, that's actually the woman in me. Yeah. And somehow you are telling me to be docile. Why should I be docile? For what apparent reason? Mm. Yes, you know, one can argue that I, I should um, perhaps be calmer like on certain subjects, but on things that I'm passionate about, why can I not be loud and vocal and express, and express using my hands and using, you know, and accentuating my voice? Why should I be this demure little character? The women in my life are strong. They are powerful. They are mighty. And so this mm -hmm. power that you're seeing, there's nothing masculine about it. Trust me. Believe me. It's all feminine. Mm. I think one of the biggest issues that people struggle with is the fact that they have decided and this is a centuries-long thing. They've decided that the only people in this world that should endure discomfort are black women. Oh, yeah. And so everything that happens, we must endure. We must stay strong. We must take it on the shoulder. Well, you know, uh, mm. we, must, we must be strong. Exactly. Why? <laughs> uh -uh, uh -uh. Oh, thanks. Give me zero. <laughs> please, please. Because, uh, you know, I've seen it. I mean, I saw it in my uh, consulting days where, oddly enough, it was only the black women who were being shaped and who were being groomed and who were being made into better tools. Mm. The men, on the other hand, no one was grooming them for anything. No yeah. one was shopping them. No one was tearing them down to build them up again. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and those are the very first, you know, early days where you start picking up that there's a fundamental flaw here. You know, mm -hmm. why are black women only lauded and respected when they've gone through dungeons and they've gone to hell? Why can't yeah. a black woman just say, you know, I started in corporate in this year and I got, in the, I got into the trading desk with no issues and I advanced with no issues and I've loved my journey throughout the way. Black women's corporate stories are horror stories. Horror, horror. Like why horror. do you have to go through everything? <laughs> and I find it very, very strange because you speak to men, you speak mm. to white, white men and their journeys. Literally, it was a fairy tale. From beginning yeah. to end, they got bonuses out of nowhere. They got increases that they were like, oh, I was very shocked. I got my second increase. A black woman will tell you how she had to fight for an additional 1%. Mm. 
Yeah. No, no, we, we we actually need to change that whole narrative and that whole story. Look, I'm tired of battling and of suffering. My next decade mm. had better herald new ways of doing things and new ways of being. Because if I need to unpack my 20s and, you know, going into my 40s, oh, I refuse, ma'am. I completely refuse. Yeah, no, no, I'm very done. Thank you. Exactly. Thanks so much. I'm good. I don't need more t-shirts. No. no. I One so book fine. was more than enough. <laughs> so, Lugina, what's next for you? So, I've basically told myself in the next decade, I need to work towards retirement Mm. and this retirement will take the form of me starting up so I already have a property company and it's you know it's looking at um, growing it to a point where it can sustain me and sustain Mm -hmm. itself and Mm -hmm. also looking at entering into different you know avenues Um, still definitely within the energy space maybe looking at independent consulting as well um, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the one side however there's the other side of me that says you need to go conquer the world and you need mm-hmm. to go and work for an international DFI and I think that's the wonderful thing about being a young black woman um, in the world today that there are no limitations well apart from the very obvious you know other things but in terms mm-hmm. of like your dreams and your aspirations um mm-hmm. You know, like it's limitless. The things that I'm doing today, I, at times I look at myself and I'm like, I never would have thought that this would be me. Mm-hmm. When I'm sitting, you know, on, on those um, intercontinental trans, you know, Atlantic flights and you're going into big boardrooms and you're going to be giving big presentations that will change a country's trajectory forever. And you realize mm-hmm. just how much power you have and, um, you know, and, and, the, and, and the influence and something is saying to me, perhaps don't leave that energy banking space as yet, because there's lots mm-hmm. of opportunity. There's lots that still has has to be done. However, I am mindful of the fact that, you know, I'd rather be by the beach, you know, growing my little herbs by my garden, um, in my wonderful house, there having wine every evening, looking at the ocean. Um, you know, so I'm trying to, 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 to then say in 10 years time, how can I bring those two worlds and collide them, collapse them and explode them in a way that works for, for me ultimately. Okay. Fantastic. I wish you all the best with that. Um, so how, how can people get connect with you on social media? So I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram as well. Um, they can definitely email me on lungile.mashele at gmail.com. They can find me on Twitter, lungile underscore mashele, or they can find me on Instagram, lungile.mashele. Okay, perfect. Lungile, thank you so much for having this conversation. with. It was so insightful. It was so passionate, but also so invigorating. Thank you so much, Cecilia. This has been amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. (laughs) Bye. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Cecilia Polani. We'll see you again soon.